This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. Six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio, the 23rd day of August 2023. Going to be another sweltering one down here in the south. I, we are now on day eight of no air conditioning in my house. It was absolutely brutal in here last night. That It got up to... Uh, 88 degrees inside my house yesterday. Um, I mean, I guess that's better than the 90-something it was outside, but still, it's just uh, uh, Bar- Bar- Barb and I were, were sweltering last night, so we're I, uh, I've been on the phone with the air conditioning company all morning, and of course, nobody picks up the phone, so we'll see what happens. Let's uh, say a little prayer for me, will you? Uh, some news in baseball last night before we get to the game action last night. Uh, the Chicago White Sox decided to clean house in the front office yesterday. They fire uh, their vice president of uh, baseball operations, Kenny Williams, as well as their general manager, Rick Hahn. And uh, look, this is probably just the beginning, uh, I would imagine, if you're the White Sox. 49 and 77, uh, 16 games out in in an awful AL Central couldn't even compete in there, um, and if and if you're uh, Pedro Grifol, their their manager, you've got to be concerned about your job because they're going to bring in new people, and that usually does not bode well for the current manager because there's already problems. Obviously, if it's going to lead to front office firings, but Kenny Williams is a guy that has been there forever. Uh, he's been in the front office with the White Sox since 1992. He started as a scout. And this was his 11th season as executive vice president. Uh, he was also the GM for 12 years. Um, and, and, you know, it's tough, too, because uh, he was one of the most high-profile black executives in Major League Baseball, something that there aren't a lot of. Um, and, 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 and it's a guy that, that, uh, that was drafted by the White Sox back in 1982, so, you know, it, it had to be very difficult for him, but he had to know it was coming. Uh, and as far as Rick Kahn goes, he's been with the organization for over 20 years as well. Been the GM since 2012. But, I look, you know, and, and Jerry Reinsdorf, who's, you know, 87 years old and said it was a very difficult decision. But if you're Jerry Reinsdorf and you know you're coming to the end of, of your run here, he probably would like to see another championship. They haven't won one since 2005. Um, you know, but look, they were in the playoffs in 2020 and 2021, but the last couple of years have been brutal. So uh, they decide to clean house, and Kenny Williams, Rick Hahn are out. I, I'm 
be willing to bet you that the uh, the manager will be on his way out at the end of the season as well. Uh, Wander Franco, the shortstop from the Tampa Bay Rays, who was put on um, the restricted list by the Rays back on uh, the 14th of August when word came down or that there was – some stuff on social media that suggested that he may be involved in a relationship with a minor. Now, he has not come out and said a lot other than one Instagram post he put up and said that a lot of people think they know. Let me tell you, you don't know anything, which is as close as you're going to get to a denial from him right now. It's being investigated not just by Major League Baseball, obviously, but by the authorities in the Dominican Republic. You know, um, whether it's true or not, we don't know. But what it does probably mean uh, for Franco, now being on administratively by MLB, he is going to be paid. He will continue to accrue service time while he's on administrative leave. That's part of the uh, agreement with the Players Association. But we don't know what's going to happen beyond that. You know, we have to wait for, I think, for these uh investigations to play out, which means there is a better-than-average chance that Franco is not going to play for the rest of the season for the Tampa Bay Rays. And the Rays are in a dogfight. They're only two games back in the American League East. They are the top wild-card team. They haven't really, you know, they haven't lost a beat since losing Franco. I mean, this is one of the things about the Rays. It just continues to amaze. It doesn't, it seems it just doesn't matter what their payroll is, what their injuries are. They just keep on rolling. They've won seven of their last ten. Um, so, but it looks like they're not going to be able to count on him for the rest of the year. And this is a guy that just last year signed an 11-year contract for $182 million. You know, and uh, he is one of the great young stars in Major League Baseball. And, and you hope that when all is said and done and, and all the, the investigations are done, that this turns out not to be what it appears to be. And here's the thing, too. You know, 30 years ago, and I, again, not to try to sound like a dinosaur, right? But 30 years ago, nobody even knows about this. Right, because there, we didn't have Twitter, we didn't have social media where you know anything that anybody has ever done is out there for everybody to see. You know, and and uh, the number of players that have been caught uh, doing or saying stupid things that have cost them uh, the ability to play in the pros. I mean, we've seen college kids and high school kids do stupid things that have ended up getting them. Uh, in hot water. Now, don't get me wrong. If if this is indeed true and Franco's involved with a minor, then he deserves everything he gets. But if this turns out to be nothing more than something completely innocent, you know, I, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. It is what it is. It's the, the society that we live in today. But uh, I just hope for, for Franco's sake and for baseball's sake that this isn't what it appears to be. Um, so stay tuned. Um, Tito Francona, the uh, 
I should say Terry Francona. Tito Francona was his father, but everybody calls him Tito uh, now. Uh, had a uh, uh, meeting with uh, reporters prior to the game yesterday, and uh, he said that or he didn't say, but he intimated that he could be leaning towards retiring. Uh, I mean, he didn't come out and say, hey, I'm retiring. But if you read between the lines of the comments that he made yesterday, we may be seeing the last of Terry Francona on a bench in Major League Baseball. And Terry Francona is, A, one of the classiest guys in baseball, one of the funniest guys in baseball, and a hell of a manager. I mean, this is a guy that's uh, 13th all-time on the career win list. 1,933 victories in his 23 seasons as a major league manager. 1933 and 1652. You know, of course, led the Red Sox to a couple of World Series. He's led the – when he joined uh, Cleveland back in 2013, uh, they've made the playoffs six times. They won the AL pennant in 2016. But the last couple of years have been tough for him. He's had to take extended time away from the team uh, to deal with some serious health issues. And he said, look, um, you know, he said, I think there's a time uh, to answer questions about what I'm going to do, not going to do. He said, I don't think it's now. I don't ever want this to be just on me. I just can't let it be. Um, He said, but the other part is I don't want to lie or I don't want to fib. And somebody asked him, you know how he was, and and he said uh, he said I'm old, and he said I'm old and beat up. Um, you know he said I've talked to the to the club about the fairness to the organization, fairness to the players, and and also you know some of it about me. He said he said the job's hard, and he said not that it's a bad job, which is you know he said it's a great job, but it's hard, and the older you get, the more beat up you get, and you know sometimes it's both. And um, so if you just just reading that. I think this is going to be uh, it for Terry Francona. You know, it's a shame that uh, they'll go out like that. They've had so many injuries this year. He's taken a lot of heat in Cleveland this year. But with the number of pitching injuries and everything that they've had, I don't think that's necessarily fair. There's still only five games back in the AL Central. But there's six games under 500. That's how bad that division is this year. It's not out of the realm of possibility that they could make a run. They've got uh, Cal Quantrill's getting ready to come back. Um, of course, they traded Aaron Savali. So, you know, but they've got some decent young pitching. Uh, they're getting some timely hitting. I mean, you know what? And Minnesota's not uh, uh, anything to write home about. So who knows? Maybe they can make a late run. It would be kind of fun if uh, if, if this is indeed Tito's last year uh, that he get an opportunity to make the playoffs one more time. But uh, – and I'll be sad. I mean, you know, I always, uh, I always uh, loved him when he was a manager of the Red Sox and – uh, he basically had the team give up one year, and it cost him his job. And it wasn't fair, but, you know, guys like Josh Beckett and, you know, the, the whole you know, chicken and beer thing and the uh, dugout while games were going – or not in the dugout, but in the clubhouse when a game is going on. And uh, they just mailed it in, and they threw him under the bus, and that's why he ended up in Cleveland. So, But I'll be sad if that's it for Tito, but it wouldn't shock me. Um, uh, NBA news. How about the NBA is fining James Harden, the disgruntled Philadelphia 76er. And let's be fair, James Harden, and I don't care 
how talented James Harden is, he has been a malcontent no matter where he is. It seems like no matter where he plays, he's there for a year or two, and then it's like he just starts stirring up trouble, and he wants out, and he demands trades, and you know, um, and he recently called the owner of the 76ers, or not the, the owner, the uh, franchise president, Daryl Morley, called him a liar. You know, this is the same guy that has done things similar in Houston and when he was in Brooklyn, um, you know, and uh, but the NBA came down on him hard here, a hundred grand. And now, look, a hundred grand to Harden is a drop in the bucket. But Harden has wanted to trade, and you know, Daryl Morey is like, you know, hey, I'm only going to trade you if I can get fair value. I'm not going to trade you just because you feel you want to be traded. You know, and basically what Harden's doing is he's trying to, to uh, you know, hold the team up and extort them. It's just it's craziness. So he gets fined a hundred million bucks or hundred million, hundred thousand bucks, hundred million bucks to really get his attention, hundred thousand bucks. But uh, anyway, uh, so that's uh, that's the news out of the NBA. The other news is the New York Knicks are suing the Toronto Raptors, their new head coach, and a former. Nick Scout saying that they conspired to steal thousands of videos and other scouting secrets from the Knicks for the use of the Toronto Raptors. And Nick said that it, the, the theft occurred in the last couple of weeks after they hired uh, this guy away from the Knicks. They, they called him a mole. <laughs> Uh, and they 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 actually named the guy and uh, said that he had uh, this is a guy that had directed the planning, organizing, and distri- distribution of all their video scouting for the next coaching staff. And uh, so supposedly uh, he he took this stuff and gave it to the Raptors, and now uh, things are getting ugly. And look, um, uh, <laughs> the owner of the Knicks. James Dolan is a bit of a tool. Uh, you know, we've seen him get into scraps with, you know, former players. And uh, it's just, I mean, it, he is not uh, going to win uh, uh, favorite person of the year awards from just about anybody. But if this is indeed true, uh, this is bad. This is really bad. It is not a good look for the Toronto Raptors. So uh, th- it'll be interesting to see how that comes down. But this isn't just complaining to the league, this is an actual lawsuit in court, so that'll be uh, that'll be entertaining to watch. Uh, one uh, quick NFL news before we get to the games from last night: uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks have finally announced their starting quarterback uh, for the 2023 season, and it's going to be Baker Mayfield. Uh, they were trying to figure out whether it was going to be Mayfield or whether it was going to be. Uh, uh, Kyle Trask, who was a second-round draft pick back in 2021, and they have made the decision that it'll be Baker Mayfield to uh, to start the season anyway. Uh, look, um, this is kind of, it, it, I think, this is Baker Mayfield's last chance. You know, um, a guy that, that was underwhelming when he was with the Cleveland Browns, eventually lost his starting job there. 
got traded to the Carolina Panthers, wasn't good enough for a Panther team that had serious quarterback issues to keep his job there. Uh, and made a uh, had a cup of coffee with the Rams yesterday or yesterday last year, and actually played uh, you know one one good game and one so-so game for them. But uh, they had quarterback problems, injuries, so he came out there to finish out the season with the Rams, and then he signed a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Bucks in the off-season, and uh, it's been uh, categorized as a a quote-unquote prove-it deal. When he signed with the Bucks in March, and this is it. This is this is uh, the last chance. Look, he's he's an undersized quarterback. Um, he has looked pretty good in the preseason, but I'm not sure that Baker Mayfield is a truly an NFL quarterback. Of course, we'll talk all about that with uh, Dan Zampano coming up on Friday when he joins us to talk about uh, the final week of the preseason and uh, what to expect. He's going to give us all his predictions, by the way, for the season, so that'll be entertaining as well. So uh, you'll want to watch. Watch Well, you can't watch anymore. Until I get high-speed internet, no more Facebook, but you'll have to listen in on Friday and see what he's got to say. But Baker Mayfield with his uh, last chance with the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks coming up this season. All right, last night's baseball games. Uh, look, uh, <laughs> Uh, stop me if you've heard this before, but the Boston Red Sox defense stinks. And Rafi Devers, despite the assertions by Kevin Millar on uh, on Monday that he's an above-average third baseman, I still it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Um, it cost the Red Sox again last night. There was a ball hit in the first inning by Alex Bregman that he booted. (laughs) Somehow the Houston official scorer gave him a single on that, which was a joke. But then with two outs in the same inning, uh, Chaz McCormick hits a ball to him, picks it up cleanly, but then he can't make the transfer and throws the ball wide to Tristan Casas at first. So... You know, Hauk ends up giving up a couple of walks after that. You know, now they eventually got out of it without any further damage, but Hauk had to throw 31 pitches in that inning because Rafi Devers couldn't play defense. You know, and look, I know what a great, we all know what a great talent, what a, I should say, what a great hitter Rafi Devers is. But this defense is becoming a serious problem. You know, and if you're the Red Sox, you, you're kind of in a bind here. You've signed him to a long-term deal. You don't have really anybody else to play third base right now. He can, he can make some great plays, but he can't make routine plays. And even Alex Cora said before the game last night, he said, just make the routine plays and you're fine. That's the problem. And that's what hurt him last night. And Tanner Houck, of course, is on a pitch limit because he's coming back, you know, after that, having a couple of months off from getting hit in the face. So he only was on a 75-pitch limit. And he didn't pitch 
horribly, with the exception of giving up a home run. He did walk a few guys, two of them obviously in that first inning. But, you know, the defense killed him, as it has killed so many other Red Sox. But, you know, it killed the Red Sox and James Paxton the night before. So, I, you know, and then you, you, so you couple that with the fact that Justin Verlander comes out last night and probably has one of his best, well, he definitely had his best start since rejoining the Houston Astros, and it was one of his best starts of the season. Only went six because the pitch count got up to 96. But didn't allow a run, struck out nine, only walked one. You know, he looked like the old Justin Verlander. So, you know, and then, uh, you know, then another play that just drives you nuts last night with the Red Sox defense. Uh, I think it was the fourth inning. Martin Maldonado comes up and lays a bunt down the first baseline. And, <laughs> and the Red Sox... Nobody covers home plate. They've got runners on first and second, right? Maldonado bunts the ball down the first baseline. And Mauricio Dubon scores all the way from second base on a bunt, sacrifice bunt, because Rafi Devers doesn't cover home plate. You know, and here's the thing. You know, and then Kevin Millar is trying to say, and, and, you know, Dave O'Brien was trying to, I'll give O'Brien credit for this. I don't think he was necessarily buying it, but he said, hey, there's going to be people that are going to criticize the Red Sox because Devers didn't cover home plate. And then, you know, with runners on first and second uh, and the bunt situation up the first baseline, and Kevin Millar is trying to say that, oh, no, you know, it wasn't Devers' fault. And nobody – the Red Sox didn't do anything wrong there. No, it was, uh, you know – and the ball's rolling solely up the first baseline. Well, if you're – Raffy Devers, and I'm, I'm sorry, folks, I'm not a major league player, but I've played the game, and if you're Raffy Devers and you see that slow bunt going up the first baseline and you're watching your catcher watch it roll because they're hoping it goes foul and it's moving really slow, well, there's no way, even if they pick it up, they're not going to try to make a play at third base for a force play because the runner's already there. You've got to break for home. By the time he breaks for home, Dubon's already crossed the plate. So I'm sorry, you know, and and the last couple of nights, Kevin Millar has not done. You know, like I said, I like Kevin Millar. I've always he's funny to listen to. He's got some great stories, but when it comes to being an analyst, he's out to lunch. Sorry, you know he's he's lost me the last couple of days. And if you're the Red Sox, <laughs> this this guy's got to go. Give. Give Will Middlebrooks more time. I listen. As far as I'm concerned, you know, and the Red Sox have used a a string of different color analysts this year. They've used uh, Millar. They've used Kevin Euclidus, Um They've used Will Middlebrooks. Um, you know, to me, Millar is the weakest of all of them. It, it, they just have. They've got to do something. And actually, the the best guy might be Lenny Donardo. You know, so the Red Sox have to. It, it's time to stop this. I think Will Middlebrooks is really good. Uke, again, he's okay, but he's not. I mean, uh, 
but Millar's got to go. He's got to go. Um, but Devers was wrong last night. So again, what you know, it's defense, defense, defense. And now the Red Sox find themselves in a position where their playoff hopes are, well, they were on life support before. Uh, they're in the ICU uh, <laughs> because Seattle wins again, right? So the Red Sox are now five back of Seattle for the final wild card spot, four back of Toronto, who they have to catch before they can even worry about Seattle. And you still have two more games with Houston, three with the Dodgers, and then three more with Houston. I just, I, you know, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's time if you're the Red Sox to start making decisions about next year. And, you know, and one of the things they did uh, yesterday after they put uh, Jaron Duran on the injured list, they brought up the young kid, Abreu, who came over to the Red Sox from Houston in the trade for Christian, uh, or Christian Vasquez last year. And he had a couple of hits last night. It's time to start taking a look at some of these younger kids uh making some moves about what you're going to do next year. It's, I mean, it's, it's become, you know, blatantly obvious that this team doesn't have the horses. Um, you know, Chris Sale could surprise me and go out and throw a seven, you know, seven innings of shutout ball today and they could win the game and everybody's going to say, oh, here we go again. But I don't see it. I just don't see it. Um, and I, I hope, I, I really do hope this doesn't cost Alex Cora his job. You know, look, we all know, I, I, uh, I, I think we all know that Bloom didn't necessarily want to rehire Alex Cora. He was encouraged to do so by ownership. And supposedly Cora said the right things, you know, and was reticent or, you know, or, uh, apologetic and and uh, about the whole cheating thing and everything else that came down and uh, but I don't think Heim Bloom really wants him there and this might be an excuse um, for the Red Sox to move on from him I mean look I think uh, I think ownership really likes core and look they're still over 500 but I'm worried about Alex Cora's job. And I think Alex Cora has done a good job. I think the reason that the Red Sox are 66 and 60 right now, and there's a lot of people that are Alex Cora haters. I have never been one of them. You know, I think sometimes that he's a little bit quick uh, to pull guys out of games. The, the pitchers, I think he's, uh, you know, kind of the, the modern-day Captain Hook, which is what they used to call Sparky Anderson. But I, I think that, He's done a great job. I think the way he has mixed and matched the lineup and figured out a way when they were, you know, down to three starting pitchers to to keep this team in the hunt and keep them competitive. I think it's this might be, despite the fact that he took them to a World Series, this might be the best managing job that Alex Cora has ever done. And there's no doubt that Alex Cora is frustrated. You can see, I mean, he's been thrown out of two straight games now. He got ejected again last night. You know, and it's wearing on him. 
But I think this is I think this is his best managing job. So I hope it doesn't cost. If it's, look, I'm sorry, and there's people. I was watching or, or reading stuff on Reddit yesterday, and people trying to say what a great job Heim Bloom's done. Baloney. This roster was flawed from day one. We all knew it. The only thing that Heim Bloom did was improve the bullpen. And I'll give him credit for the signing of Justin Turner. That was a great signing. You know, you basically traded uh, J.D. Martinez for Justin Turner, and the Red Sox got the better end of that. Although J.D. Martinez has had a nice year uh, for the Dodgers, despite the fact he's now going to miss the next few weeks with an injury. But um, I'll give him credit for that. But some of the decisions he made on the pitching staff, the the Michael Walker one really frosts me to see what he's done with the Padres this year and what he did with the Red Sox last year. There was no reason they couldn't have re-signed him. And to see the the money that they threw away on Corey Kluber, you know, and the, and the fact that, that uh, you know, Cutter Crawford is our fifth starter and, and Nick Pavetta was, you know, retained. And, you know, I'm sorry. There were better options out there, and they, they chose to continue to try to go to the bargain bin. And... It backfired. So if anybody's job should be in jeopardy, it's Heim Blooms. Although uh, you know, I don't know that I don't. I'm 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 most worried about Alex, but I hope I'm I hope I'm wrong. It's 34 minutes past. Yeah, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we'll take a look at how the other other uh, wild card contenders made out last night, and uh, take a trip around the National League as well. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 37 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake-up call here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, The Toronto Blue Jays, with a win yesterday, they take down the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles' uh, three-game winning streak is snapped, and uh, Brendan Belt might be the hottest (laughs) hitter in uh, the majors right now. He hits a uh, two-run bomb on the first pitch he saw in the 10th inning to put the, uh, the Blue Jays ahead in extra innings, and uh, they cut the lead that the uh, Orioles hold in the American League East to just two ga- two games now over the Tampa Bay Rays. Toronto one back in the wild card at seventy and fifty six, and uh, Jordan Romano picked up his thirty first save in thirty four tries uh, to close out that game. Uh, Belt has uh, reached base safely in 16 straight starts. He's got six homers uh, in those last 16 starts, and the Blue Jays are a hot team right now. They have uh, won five of seven, and they have seven home runs in their last two games. Um, you know, so after recently being displaced by Seattle in wild card position, that's just because Seattle is the hottest team on the planet. Uh, Seattle wins again last night. Their eighth straight win uh they take down the white Sox, and as well they should right uh josh rojas a two-run homer uh six seattle relievers uh were great out of the bullpen uh they uh they started a kid that it was just coming off of the injured list and uh, he managed to give them uh, four pretty good innings. That's Brian Wu, four innings, three hits, and one run. But after that, uh, six relievers come on and uh, give up just two runs uh, over those five innings. And uh, they get to Mike Clevenger for four runs and six hits in five innings. And the Seattle Mariners 
stay hot. Um, Eugenio Suarez with a hit last night, couple of hits by uh, Hernandez. And uh, Julio Rodriguez had another day off, his second straight day off after been on that uh, that absolutely incredible tear. So uh, they give him a day off. Uh, they will conclude that series today. It's going to be George Kirby looking for his 11th win. He is 10-8 and with a 3-2-3 ERA. Michael Kopech, former uh, Red Sox farmhand who went over there um, in the Chris Sale deal, 5-11 and with a 5-1-2 ERA will pitch uh, for the White Sox. By the way, uh, the Orioles and the Blue Jays will finish up their series today as well. Kevin Gaussman will pitch for the Blue Jays. Uh, Jack Flaherty, who came over from St. Louis, he's made three starts with Baltimore since that trade on August 1st. Uh, Flaherty is 1-2 and two with a 7.07 ERA since coming to Baltimore. So uh, uh, the Orioles are hoping that uh, he is able to turn that around. Uh, the Blue Jays, I mentioned they are now just two back. Uh, in the division, and that is because they beat the Colorado Rockies yesterday 12-4, to a nine-run eighth inning. They trailed 4-3 going into the bottom of the eighth inning, and they put up nine. Uh, and it was uh, a kid by the name of Oslevis Basabi. He hit a grand slam for his first major league home run for the Blue Jays in that nine-run eighth. And this is a kid, the only reason he's even playing right now is because of the suspension of Wander Franco. And this is what I say. This is what, that's why I'm always amazed by the Rays. It just, it just doesn't seem to matter. No matter who you put up, they seem to succeed for this team. Tampa has scored 30 runs in their last two games. 30 runs in their last two games. They beat the uh, Angels 18-4 to uh, <laughs> the other day. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, they were 8-for-20 with runners in scoring position yesterday. Uh, Andrew Kittredge uh, pitched a scoreless eighth inning. He gets the win, his first win since returning from Tommy John's surgery uh, earlier this month. The game was down in St. Pete. Uh, the announced attendance... And it looked like it was less than this. I'm going to be honest with you. 10,235. And again, I, this is why I don't, I, I don't understand how they are still there and, and how Major League Baseball hasn't tried to do something about this. They, they are averaging 18,000 people a game. That is the fourth lowest home attendance in Major League Baseball. And they're 25 games over 500. Folks, if you won't come out, and I know it's the Colorado Rockies, but you are in a pennant race. You are, you know, going into last night, you're three games behind the Orioles. You're in a pennant race. You're the top wild card team. People should be salivating to get a ticket to these games. Can you imagine if this was Fenway Park? or if it was Yankee State, or just about anywhere else, St. Louis, Houston, whatever, if if you have that kind of record and you are playing as well as you are and you are in that kind of a pennant race, you wouldn't be able to put people in the more people in that stadium with a shoehorn. But Tampa is 25 games over 500, and they draw 10,000 people. 
That is shameful. And all this talk about, you know, new stadium, yada, yada, yada. And and new stadium, and you want the taxpayers to pay for this when only 10,000 people come to a game? It's not making that kind of an impact uh, on the local businesses and stuff that makes it even remotely worth it. Insane. Um, starters for tonight, Aaron Savali, who came over from the Guardians, uh, will get the start. He is 6-3. and three. Austin Gomber is going to get the start for the Colorado Rockies tonight. And, you know, the, the way things go in Tampa after winning that big game last night, people will just say ho-hum and there will be 8,000 people there tonight. I mean, it's just crazy. It really is. There are, you know, look, they're, they're talking about expansion in Major League Baseball. And they have said that they want to get the Oakland and Tampa situation squared away before they expand. Thinking that, you know, maybe some of the t- places they want to expand are places those teams would move, and that's happened. Oakland, of course, getting ready to move to Las Vegas. And I'm telling you what, if you are Rob Manfred, you have got to do something. You cannot allow this team. How can you have one of the best teams in the league play in a place where nobody cares? You know, look, we saw this in the NHL when the Hartford Whalers were there and the commissioner of the NHL basically encouraged the new owner of the franchise to move the team to the Carolinas because, well, you know, we already have a couple of teams in New York. We've already got the Boston Bruins. The Whalers are in a small market. And, you know, we, so we got to get them out of it. We want to we go into the Carolina market. We need you to move your team down there. You know, it's why I've, Gary Bettman is, uh, you know, on my forever uh, you-know-what list and why I will never, uh, you know, I wouldn't root for the Carolina Hurricanes if they were the last team on earth. And because the Hartford Whalers weren't, their attendance was still pretty good. But you can make a case with Tampa where they that city doesn't deserve a Major League Baseball franchise. Could, Nashville, they would sell that place out. There are other places you could move. I guarantee you, move it to Oklahoma City. You know, move it somewhere, uh, you know, I I don't know. Move it to Portland, Oregon. I guarantee you they will draw better than what they do in Tampa because nobody cares. The only time they draw in Tampa is if the Yankees are there, (coughs) the Red Sox, the Mets, teams from the Northeast where so many, (coughs) excuse me, older people have gone to retire and they go to watch the teams that they root for, not to root for Tampa. Not to mention Tampa games are just a nightmare with the amount of noise that they pump in because they're trying to compensate for the fact there's nobody in the stands by creating all this artificial noise with sound effects and music. And it's just it's, uh, it's just nuts. Nuts. 10,000 people. Um, with the Houston win over the Red Sox last night and then the Arizona Diamondbacks taking down the Texas Rangers again, All of a sudden, the Rangers' lead in the AL West is down to half a game. The Rangers have lost six straight, seven of ten, taken on water, uh, and uh, they've got Houston a half a game behind them, 
and the Seattle Mariners just a game behind them. So one of the feel-good stories of this year, the, the Texas Rangers, and a team that's made a lot of moves at the deadline to stay in first place, all of a sudden uh, are in danger of losing not only their division lead, but if they're not careful, they could find themselves out of the playoffs. Right? I mean, we still have, uh, you know, plenty of games to go. What, we're uh, uh, 140, what, 126 games in. So we still have like 36 games to go. But the Rangers are in deep trouble last night. And Zach Gallen, uh, who may be the Cy Young Award winner in the National League this year, six innings last night, struck out 11, seven hits, one earned run, lowers his ERA to 3.11. He's 14-5. and five. And uh, the Rangers are in trouble. And the Rangers will have today off, take a breath, and then they have a four-game series against the Minnesota Twins coming up starting on Thursday. And uh, Andrew Heaney is going to get the start for the Rangers in that first game. And he's going to go against Pablo Lopez, who came over from the Miami Marlins and is having a heck of a year for Minnesota. So the Rangers need to figure out a way to recapture that magic in a big hurry, or they are going to find themselves in big, big trouble. It is 48 minutes past the hour. Going to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 50 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake up call here on a Wednesday morning as uh, we get ready to wrap things up. The Phillies uh, with another win last night. They beat the San Francisco Giants 4-3. to three. Uh, Trey Turner with a two-run single in the ninth inning uh, that gave the Phillies the victory. Uh, the National League wild card race is insane. The Phillies now uh, with a five-game lead over Chicago. So the Phillies are the top wild card team right now. San Francisco a half a game back of Arizona for that last spot. San Francisco and Cincinnati are both a half a game back, and Miami is one game back of having that last wild card spot. So right now it's the Arizona Diamondbacks clinging to to a playoff spot. Chicago right with them as well. I mean, it is going to – I I was – look, I was against the wild card. I've, I think I've said this before. Um, I always liked the purity of that you had to win a division to get in. And then when they went with the first wild card, I was like, all right, I guess, you know, I can kind of live with it. And then when they added the other ones, I was not happy. But you have, I, I have to admit that it has been fun to watch and to have teams with more to play for uh, late in the season. So, I mean, I, I guess I've, I've come around on that. Craig Kimbrell gets the win uh, in relief for the Phillies last night. Uh, the series finale is today Michael Lorenzen. Uh, who has a 3.57 ERA will go against Alex Cobb, whose ERA is just about the same uh, for the Giants. Uh, the Giants are in a bit of a free fall. They have lost seven of their last ten. Uh, they do have some help on the way. Mitch Hanniger, who has been out since June 14th with that fractured right forearm, uh, he started a rehab assignment with AAA Sacramento. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski, who has been out with a hamstring problem, uh, is uh, getting close to coming back as well. That is going to help this Giants team immensely. So uh, that can't happen soon enough if you're a San Francisco Giants fan because uh, they are taking on water in a big, big way. Um, the Cubs lose to the Detroit Tigers 
yesterday. A team that obviously, you know, you look, if you're going to be a playoff team, it's a team you got to win, a team you got to beat. And uh, last night, Drew Smiley got the start for Chicago and was putrid. Eight hits, seven runs in three and two-thirds innings. Uh, gave up a couple of bombs. Andy Abanez, his first two-homer game as a professional, the difference in this one uh, as the Tigers uh, get the victory. Uh, they will finish their three-game series today. Jamison Tyon, who has really struggled since coming over from the Yankees, 7-8 uh, and eight with an ERA of 5.5. And, and Tarek Skubal, the uh, young kid for the Tigers, will get the start. He's 3-2 and two with a 3.76 ERA. This is a game that uh, the uh, – the Cubs need in a big, big way. Uh, the Marlins beat the Padres yesterday 3 nothing. Shut them out. Uh, the Padres came in uh, five back in the, in the wild card race. They are now six back after that loss yesterday. Uh, Jesus Lazardo allowed just two hits over six innings. Uh, Jorge Soler, his 33rd home run of the season. Uh, David Robertson, who came over. Uh, in a trade at the trade deadline, picked up his 18th save of the season. Uh, so that a big win for the Marlins yesterday uh, as they keep their wild card hopes alive just one game back. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, uh, who has had a bit of a down year, 6-4 uh, six and four with a 4-1-1 ERA, uh, will take the mound today. He will take on Seth Lugo uh, in the conclusion of that series today. Um, other games from yesterday, the Braves beat the Mets 3-2. to two. They snap a brief two-game losing streak. Eddie Rosario, a two-run home run in the second inning, his 20th home run of the season as the, <laughs> the Braves just continue to pound home runs. They lead the majors with 239 home runs, and it isn't close for second place. I mean, it's crazy. The Braves now with seven players with at least 20 home runs. Um, it's the fewest uh, games for any team to do that in a season. They've done it in 125 games. And it's the first time in their franchise history they've ever had that happen. Uh, Charlie Morton will take the mound today, 12-10 and 10 with a 3-5-4. Uh, he'll go against uh, Jose Quintana uh, in the series finale. Mike Trout returned to the lineup last night. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds welcomed him back rather rudely uh, as they beat the uh, Angels 4-3. to three. The Reds, as I said, a half a game back. In the wild card, the Brewers beat the Twins 7-3, a five-run sixth inning. Uh, the difference in that one, Willie Adamas with a two-run bomb uh, for the Brewers in that one. That is going to do it for us here. Oh, wait a minute. One more note. I, I can't leave without mentioning the fact that the New York Yankees lost their ninth consecutive game yesterday. They lose to the Washington Nationals. The first time the Yankees have lost nine in a row since 1982, and that was a year they won just 79 games. Uh, they're going to play again today. Uh, Luis Severino, who's two and eight with a nine uh, with a seven nine eight ERA, will go against Mackenzie Gore, who last time out pitched six and a third scoreless against the Red Sox. If they beat the Yankees and uh, force their tenth loss in a row, it'll be the first time the Yankees have lost ten in a row since 19. Wouldn't that be terrible? <laughs> That's going to do it for this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. A little Garth Brooks on our way out. Much too young to feel this damn old. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.